0: Amen. I am very honored to be able to bring this message. It's very timely. And as a church and a body and a ministry, we are in the middle of a 21-day fast that began January 3rd, and specifically with an assignment of the Lord to pursue and to seek transformation. And I want to just review that for a moment, but I don't want to stay on that because we're going beyond it. I believe it's a prophetic word for this time, for the person, for the corporate body, and for the kingdom. And the download that the Lord is giving is fresh, it's exciting, and it gives us the hope that we need of intensifying light in this time of gross darkness around the earth. I'm going to be referring to some of my notes because I don't want to get ahead of myself or behind myself, but as I said, my spirit is stirring with excitement. Uh, on this word that the Lord dropped in all last year to begin this year with transformation. I'd like to review the fact that in January of 2020, entering after 2019, I released a word of the Lord that said that we were moving as a world into the place of next. I didn't understand it. I knew it wasn't just for our local church and it certainly wasn't just for the United States, that it was for the world, and not only for the body of Christ, but for outside the body of Christ into the secular part of the world. I knew that it was going to be life-changing, and there would be no going back, as the Lord had said, but he would also give us provision to those who are walking with him in the place of next, and his capacity is abundance. So what we need and what we are entitled to as beloved children, sons and daughters of the Most High God of Jehovah-Jireh himself, is the abundance of the kingdom of heaven. And that's what he is providing for you and I in these times of the last days. We knew that entering through this place of next and into this place of next, it was to put us on a position and in a place to be able to receive what he would have us to do, a place to go out from and to return to. It's almost like a call to Ziklag in the time of David when there was a shift from the kingdom of Saul, which was a secular kingdom. The people chose Saul, and the Lord responded. They cried for a king, and so they received something, a man that looked larger than life and some others. And at first, the anointing rested upon him, but then he transitioned into something that was secular, flesh, worldly, humanistic, personal ambition. We know all of those stories. And God called out a little shepherd boy named David, and he put his hand upon him. I want you to note some of the common themes. David came from the wilderness. The rest of his family, his brothers, who were somewhat promoted, were in a different league. They were accepted. They were fighting with the army of Saul. But God put his anointing upon a little shepherd boy. Somebody in the middle of nowhere, tending to God's sheep, learning God's ways, kept safe from the secularization of the world in the wilderness. And finally, when his time came, even after those that had embraced him tried to persecute and kill him, God put him in a place called Ziklag. And it was in that place that there was a transferal from the kingdom of Saul to the kingdom of David. And the kingdom of David had a a greater founding than just his name. It was the Davidic kingdom. It was the dawn of the Davidic kingdom. And that went further back. That went back to the loins of Abraham called out of Ur, out of a wilderness. That went back, and it came out into the loins of Jacob, who met his God in the wilderness, who changed his identity in the wilderness. He became Israel, and he left beside his deceitful nature. There was a transformation that was first of all personal, but then was for the body of a people who would be named by the God of Israel, El, God, Israel, a God called peculiar unto God. And this transferred unto Isaac, and Isaac, the child of promise. And at the same time, we had the birth of Ishmael, the child of not promise. And to both of them, the Lord said that he would allow there to be an abundance that he would bless them equally, 12 tribes on one, 12 tribes on the other. And we've seen that grow throughout the earth from that time forward. There was an interruption in between Abraham and Moses, and it was Noah. Noah in the wilderness, building a shelter, building a place to be able to preserve the promises of God. And those promises had to be with everything God had created, human beings, animal beings, all the beings of the the air, The only beings he didn't have to put in the boat were the ones that were in the water because God increased the water. God's increasing the water and pouring it out today. And the boat is beginning to float. And the kingdom of God is being transformed through the hands of a few into the hands of many with promises. We have Moses who was called into the wilderness out of the secular world, even as Abraham was, even as Jacob was. And in that place of the wilderness, He grew for 40 years. He was able to mature into his identity, and he didn't even know what his identity was. He had lost it in Egypt, and he tried to regather it out in the wilderness. But what was he there? He was a nomad. He was a shepherd. He was tending to his father's flocks and to the business of a nomadic life. They didn't really understand, as Hebrews, the things of God. (coughs) What they understood was that there was a God and that there was a different morality than the one of Egypt. Egypt were understanding the world. And in that place of the wilderness, God called forth Moses. Moses was unequipped. Moses wasn't religious. Moses wasn't ordained. Moses wasn't part of the religious establishment. Moses was somebody set aside for God, sanctified, justified, called at such a time as this, for to create a deliverance of God's people. God's people who were embedded and lost in the darkness of the world of Egypt, who had even lost their identity. They didn't know who they were anymore. They understood they were Israels and Hebrews, not because of the promise of God and the favor of God, but because they were being persecuted and set aside by a dominating force. And today we have the body of Christ being set aside by a dominating force, a worldwide conspiracy, a secularism that is involved with humanism, that's involved with the world system, and that's involved with the kingdom of evil. Some of these pacts that the three make, they're not actually decided in a boardroom and they say, let's all conspire together. It's a spiritual uniting of the forces of flesh, the forces of evil, and the systems of the world. And Isaiah told us what this was. He told us about this, and he said, Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you, but gross darkness is upon the earth. And we understand that gross darkness is growing about the earth. But I want you to understand that also the glory of God is with increasing light throughout the earth. There must be an increase of gross darkness if the word of God is true. And if we believe the prophetic word of God, which is infallible, unchanging, trustworthy, then we must understand that with the gross darkness, only with the gross darkness, comes the intensifying of the glory of God throughout the earth, so much that he says that the whole earth at Habakkuk will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Now, let's look at knowledge for a moment. Knowing has different ways of being known. You can know about things. There are people that know about God, but they don't know God. You can know about the times we live in, but not know the times we live in. You can be known to others as a person of God, but not known to God as a person of God. To really know, there must be intimacy, there must be relationship. Just as a man knows a woman. And that's why we see that those forces of flesh and humanism in the world attack the family system, A fact attack the, the very culture of creation of Father God to man and woman made in his image, trying to fracture the family, trying to fracture the body of Christ, fracturing morality and culture that came from God Almighty and God himself, even as he created first man and first woman and said, be fruitful and go and multiply. Every kind bringing forth its own kind. Those are decrees of God in creation. But they also have a mirror effect in the evil kingdom. Every kind brings forth its own kind. Goats bring forth goats. Sheep bring forth sheep. If you cross-fertilize a goat and a sheep, most likely you get a stillborn. You get a bastard that doesn't work. And what we have today in the body of Christ, we have a lot of stillborns that are walking dead. They're goats that were sheep. They're sheep that are daunting with the goat. And the Lord says on that day, and this is for the body of Christ, this is a word to believers. In that day, when there's judgment, judgment at the throne of God, he will separate the goats and the sheep. And the goats are those that call themselves Christians. Those aren't non Believers, the non believers don't even make it to the throne of God. We're talking about sheep and goats. The transformation that's taking occurring now in the earth, this is the dawn of the transformation for the coming of the king. We're at the dawn. We're at that place where God is calling out of the wilderness. I find it ironical that if you're listening today, if you could see the environment that I'm in that our church at our ministry, and it's a little green village called Canfield, Ohio. I think there's maybe five, 6,000 people that live in this called city, maybe 8,000. It's growing. <laughs> Surrounded by farms. In an old church with a steeple. An old church that has a state-of-the-art studio. Go figure that out. In the middle of the wilderness, crying out this Word of God, and it is not being published by all of those that you would watch on your different Christian networks and the major ministries, the mega ministries. There's no call about the business of ministry when God calls out of the wilderness. Moses didn't have a business agenda when he went back to agenda. When he went back to Egypt, Abraham didn't have a business agenda when he was called out of Ur. In fact, he was called out of his family business. Noah had no business agenda. He didn't know. He wasn't a boat craftsman. God gave him a prescription of what to do in the middle of a wilderness where there was no water. It makes no sense to build a mega cruise boat that has no launching point except for the kingdom of God. Beloved, out of this little place, call it Bethlehem. I don't know what it is. It begins to make sense to me why the Lord called me out of Miami, a mega church, planted us here in Canfield 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Ten is the number of completion. And it was the promise he said, from that place shall go forth the glory of the Lord to the four corners of the earth. Part of that prophecy comes true today, and it continues to come true. I don't take it with arrogance. I don't take it as being elite. I take it with humility. When John the Baptist was called, he was put in the wilderness, and he had one credo that as the Lord came, he would decrease as the Lord increases. The call upon you and I, those who are called today to prepare the way for the Lord, is not that we increase ourselves, not that we try to have more Facebook numbers. (laughs) How about that irony? People go on a social media, and they call each other friends, and they don't even know who they are. I had a very sad story about a veteran who passed away, and I was asked to preside at his funeral. They expected a couple hundred people to come because he had Hundreds and hundreds of friends, and the only ones there were me, one family member, and a couple of veterans that showed up in their old tattered uniforms, 80 years old, because this was a veteran who died. He had no friends. We have such a false society today built upon a friendship that doesn't exist. And unfortunately, that's creeped its way into the body of Christ. And we have Christians who call each other brothers and sisters, but don't walk as brothers and sisters. Beloved, we sit at the dawn of an era. And that dawn of the era is God is crying out from the wilderness, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is all over me and permeating the studio right now, again with power and excitement. We are those people, if you hear me, if you're alive, if you care at all for the words of God, you're breathing today, you are called to be part of that Ziklag army in the wilderness. God calling forth people like the tribe of Isaacar. The tribe of Isaacar came and they were men who brought their families. They didn't just come alone. They brought their women. They brought their children to help do the infrastructure of what God was going to do. But those particular men, those gifted men, and we know there's no difference between male and female, Jew or Greek. Thank you, Lord, for the deliverance of Jesus Christ. Those men, those women are called today who know what to do with the left arm and the right that signifies to me the right is the arm of righteousness, Christ at the throne. We know what to do with the authority of Jesus Christ. In His name, we can move mountains. In His name, we have the authority and the power to take dominion over whatever God gives us. We become lighthouses and beacons of glory of light in a gross darkness. And what I saw in the middle of the night as I was praying typically at the three o'clock prayer watch. Sometimes it starts at 2.30, but never after three. And it carries me into a a different level of different time. And I find that to be a great, great gift of God because the prayer watch that Jesus Christ was on when he was waiting to be taken, to be crucified, was the, the third prayer watch, three in the morning. And at six in the morning, as it moved to the next prayer watch, they came and got him at the dawn of light. And he looked at his disciples, and they couldn't stay awake with him. They fell asleep, and they were at the dawn of an era. They were right at the breaking of the dawn of the new covenant, coming forth with the blood pouring out of Jesus Christ himself. The Lord was there. The Lamb of God was there. The King of kings, the captain of the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, he was there in their midst, and they did not know it. They could not stay awake. Beloved, that's where we are as the body of Christ. We're right there. Christ is walking. He's talking. He's telling us in the third watch at three o'clock in the morning, when the dawn comes, we'll begin the deliverance. Yes, they will capture me, but it will be the deliverance of my people. It will be the deliverance that God promised. The prisoners are soon going to be set free. Well, we're set free, but we put shackles back on our hands we put shackles of the business of ministry we count success by numbers and quantities and funds and who many who sells more books who's on greater broadcasts what are we doing to compete with one another for an audience when the lord says there's no such thing as a competition cry out from the wilderness trust me god doesn't need the business of the ministry god needs the ministry to be in his business Jesus Christ said, I'm about my father's business, even as he shattered the business within the temple. And the transformation that's pouring out is to shatter the business that's within the body of Christ. Many are crying out for a great awakening around the world. I have dear friends of mine who headline that in everything that they do here out of the United States. Beloved, listen to me to the four corners of the earth my beloved in Asia, I love you. God has called me for Asia, and I believe that time is starting now. I need to come to you more and more, not because I'm special, but because God wants to release to you because you're special, and I've made a covenant with him some years back. Lord, I will love Asia. I love Asia, and God has given us Pakistan with my brother uh, uh, Anwar Fazal, an eternal life church, and we have love for that area of the world and for India with our Touch Heaven India churches and for Africa with our African churches. There's a special calling going on. Beloved, don't look at the United States to be your lightweight path. The United States is in chaos. The ministry of the United States is disconfigured, discombobled, There are too many people searching their own identities, their own business. We're not united as a body of Christ. And some of us who cry out, we're not very popular because we cry out. Very interesting, when God gives you a prophetic word, he gave me the prophetic word about Donald Trump. Back in 2015, there were no Christians, maybe one or two, that were on the Trump bandwagon. And God said, that's going to be my president. And I prophesied that he would appoint three Supreme Court members. And I prophesied he would start a space force. And I prophesied that he would move the temple to Jerusalem. And God used me to impart those words to that man. But the minute that I said that he had failed God, that he had walked in his own pride and his own arrogance, and because of that, God could not bless him, many people got angry with me because it wasn't the word they wanted. They said, Give us Saul. Now, it doesn't mean his season is over, there may be another season. And God may still have other work, but Donald Trump and the president of the United States is not the salvation of the world or the salvation of the United States. Jesus Christ spent no time dealing with Caesar. He didn't even spend any time dealing with the politics of the governorship. He basically said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but let's focus on the kingdom of God. He gave us a preamble for those that we must again walk into it. Not following the words that some that say there's a great awakening across the earth. The great awakening is within the body of Christ. The word of God has gone to the four corners of the earth. The fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. Romans 11.25 is jumping out of the, of, of, of the Pauline epistles. And he's telling us, don't be ignorant of this mystery unless you're wise. And I flip that over to say he was being sarcastic unless you're stupid and ignorant. Do not be ignorant of this, my beloved, unless you're wise and conceited in your own thoughts that the blindness of Israel in part has happened until the fullness of Gentiles comes in, and then all Israel shall be saved. Beloved, we're at the precipice of that. It's as if we're on a cliff ready to jump off and to sail as an eagle soars, and that cliff is going to take us to higher places. We're not going to fall. And the fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. This word is going out to the four corners. Not everybody, but those who have a passion for God. The church of Laodicea very well defines the body of Christ today. And the the church of Laodicea says, the Lord says, I want you to come back to your first love. Your first love, your passion for God, your zeal for God. That's the transformation that God is taking in you and I. A greater zeal, a greater passion. An excitement and anticipation. We have a direct line to the kingdom and the throne room of God. Through the Holy Spirit, all things are purged through the Holy Spirit of God. And He who raised them from the dead, that spirit of glory resides in you and me. And through that, we have resurrection power. Not power to just resurrect the physical dead, but to resurrect ourselves first and foremost. Beloved, what good am I to anybody? if I'm carrying through leaven in my spirit of God. And it's not something we do one time. I wish it were, but it's not. 1 John 1, 9, we need to eat that pill all the time, and, and we need to confess our sins, and he is just to forgive them as fast as they come on board. At the same time, we don't lose our identity because of a sin. We are the new creation of God. We've been recreated again in the image of God, and we're walking with his glory. And I saw the sister preaching my message from John 17, God bless her, that we are one, that he has made us one. And Christ said, in the glory that you gave me, I have given them that they can become one, even as we are one. You and me, me and you, we and them. It's the glory of God, the essence of God. It's the most holy, divine stuff of God, embedded in you and me. Yes, we have blood. The blood is lifeline to our body, and the glory is lifeline to our spirit. And we have many who have perverted and diluted the glory of God. And yet we ask for blessings of God when we have ourselves created walls and blockages for the glory to flow. The transformation is in you and I. We must repent for ourselves and for one another. We must walk in repentance. You know, I I got this revelation the other day. And one of my most glorious intimate moments that reoccurs is when I'm in Jerusalem. And I had a busload of beloved brethren come from Malaysia and Singapore. I was with my dear brother uh, Shmuli Smajda, Samuel Smajda, whose father founded the first messianic church in Jerusalem. And he called me and he said, brother, they, they want someone to baptize them. And he said, I don't feel comfortable doing that, but would you go? And so I went, and it was in the cold waters right at the border, right at the border of Jordan. And the soldiers were on one side, and we were on the other side. And I went down in the water, and those beautiful, wonderful brothers and sisters from Singapore got off a bus. I think it was two buses of them. I don't know. I baptized people for over an hour in the water. And then there was another busload of people to the right, and they were Catholics, and they were from Colombia, and they must have thought I was a priest. (laughs) They wanted to be baptized, and they lined up. And it was funny because they would put a dollar on the steps (laughs) as a tribute, as if they were buying a mass card. And I baptized them. And then another busload came. I baptized people for a couple hours until Samuel said, brother, we need to leave. But something occurred, which with each person that I baptized, with my brother Mark Gonzalez helping me, on one side and me on the other. We were, they would stumble down into the water, and there we were up to here in the water with the little fishes nibbling and biting and cold, but yet the glory was pouring out. With each person that we bent over and took down, I too went into the water again. Now, in our Jewish background, in our Hebrew understanding, we would call that doing what? A mission. Are we going in the water Baptism just didn't get created with John the Baptist. That was a water cleansing that went through priests. It was a preparation of the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And yet these people never were the ones that washed themselves in the water. It was the priests. What did God tell the great prince who needed to be cleansed of leprosy? What did the what did what message did he send through Elijah? He said, "Go and wash yourself 7 times in the Jordan." And so we see that's where John the Baptist was, and people would get baptized. And every time he baptized them, he too went back in the water. And I have to tell you something, that is part of walking with repentance. That's walking with humility. That's walking in a spirit and in a constant commitment to baptize ourselves under cleansing and repentance. And it's a wonderful thing. It doesn't happen once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime. It happens daily and as often as we need it. But because we walk in that cloak of humility, then we are those that have access to the kingdom of God, and we can proclaim to the world, I'm not a sinner. I don't like it when people declare, I'm a sinner. No, you might have been a sinner, but you're no longer a sinner unless you practice sin. Now, I might sin, but I don't practice sin. I run back as fast as I can. I might like to eat steak, but I don't practice steak every day. In fact, less and less in my life. There are things that we do that are disciplines in our life. Personal repentance, which then leads us to the corporate repentance. And that's the week that we're in right now, praying for the body of Christ, praying for our local church, praying for your churches, that people will get a passion and a zeal to attend church. Part of what this pandemic did was it caused caused people to become asleep, to stay home. To think they can fellowship over these kind of medias and these medias alone. But beloved, let me tell you something. Yes, God can be anywhere. But the presence of God is in the unity of people in worship. Worship when we come together and fellowship together. The presence of the Holy Spirit unifying us. Yes, we can be united over this. But my heart, my throw, my desire is to be with you in person. We can say we lay hands by putting upon a TV. But the hands the Lord was talking about is knowing one another, intimacy, touching one another, praying with another, knowing each other's families, taking each other's burdens. Beloved, people on Facebook, they don't know your families. They know about your families. They don't know them. They don't know you. They know more about your car and your refrigerator and your lost dog (laughs) than they know about your passion for God and the things of spiritual callings of your life. I grow by being with people of God. I spent six years mentoring with Guillermo Maldonado, seven years before that with Alberto Diego. I was with many large ministries. God used me. These people imparted to me because I was with them. Marilyn Hickey traveling with her. Tremendous people of God imparting to me that moved on, that, that, that are no longer even on this earth. Bunky, before he left, right here in the studio, with me, my hands upon him, his hands upon me, asking him to impart the gift of God to me. We need to get back to that. It's not old school. It's the new school. It's the way school. We need to have an affinity, a knowledge, and intimacy with, with one another in the body of Christ. And the body of Christ needs to be united for truth. Now, beloved, there are specialists in the body of Christ. I listen. I learn from them. There are people who are faith preachers. Wonderful. We need faith. Who are wisdom preachers, wonderful, joy preachers, love preachers, grace preachers. They're all over. It's all of God. It's a big tree. It's a big fruitful. And we should eat of the whole buffet. But our focus should be upon who we are, what we're supposed to do, the time that we live in, and what is going on. And then finally, we have the transformation of the kingdom, which in our ministry, and my focus will be starting today and through into the end of next week and for the next season. Beloved, the season we've entered into was just like the season of the next. I didn't understand it was going to be a pandemic, but that's what it was. And it brought the whole world to a place of next. And even when it first came out, I said, the Lord's going to put the earth on pause. And he did. There were those who came out with false prophecies. Oh, at Easter, the virus is going to go away. And even our president here in the United States, he bought into that, made a fool of himself, declared it because he believed the word of prophets that weren't hearing prophecy. And then that same prophet said, well, we missed that one, but it's going to be Pentecost. And they lined up, and they were on television programs. And I wept and cried, and I said, no, that's not the word of God. The Lord is putting the earth on pause. And he put the earth on pause, even as if it was that time when Christ died on the cross. How many of you know that creation cries out for the things of God? We're told by the psalmist that the trees of the field will clap their hands with the coming of the Messiah and the word of his light. We understand that every morning when the dawn breaks through darkness, birds wake up. They begin to chirp. The crows come out of the roosters. The birds begin to flow. Stuff begins to blossom. The flowers begin to open up. The trees clap their hands. The fish become alive, looking for food on the top of the water. Everything comes alive. You and I love the light. Some people get depressed in the dark. In the darkness, some people can't sleep because they don't have peace. They're waiting for the light. The whole earth cries out. The whole earth mourned when Jesus Christ died on the cross, not just physically, but spiritually. It went into a depression at the three o'clock in the afternoon hour. And it stayed that way for a while until they received the message of the angels and the earth woke back up. Christ said that if these people don't cry out Hoshaina, Hoshaina, come, Lord Jesus, come, Messiah. I remember being at the Western Wall crying out Hoshana and Torah with the chief rabbi and with Israeli soldiers, Hoshaina and minions of ten, our arms going up, come, Messiah, come, Hoshaina, and that's what they said, Hosanna, when Christ came into Jerusalem in his triumphal entry to death and crucifixion a testing of the darkness in the world. What did Christ say? If they were to hold their peace, the rocks would cry out. Creation moves. Beloved, I'm not so sure that we're just in global warming. I think we're in glory swarming. I think it's a time when the glory of God is intensifying and pouring out. And part of the vision I saw in the night watch at 3 o'clock just this last morning, while some of you were already in your next day, we were waiting for the dawn here in Canfield, Ohio, in the wilderness. And in that vision is what I saw as I was praying. I saw gross darkness, and I saw little spearheads of light, and I realized those were the people of God out of the Laodicea church that are hot, not lukewarm, not cold. Body, the vast, beloved, the vast body of Christ is lukewarm, not hot. Hot is passionate for God. Hot is where God is your number one priority. And if he's your number one priority, guess what? There's no number two. There's no number three. It's God plus. And the way that God does subtraction and addition is to make us one, not to make us two and three. He says to pray together in two and three so that we can have one prayer going up to heaven. And there's a power in prayer. When a man and a wife come together, they become one. There's a power in one. When the body of Christ comes together, the hot people, there's a power in one. It's not multiplication. It's not division. God, one plus two plus a thousand plus ten thousand becomes one in him. God in you is one. God in your family is one. God in your church is one. God in your call is one. God in your finances is one. God in you is one. God, God, God. Priority, God. Hot on fire for God, the church of Laodicea. So, judgment with this transformation is going to pour stronger in the house of God. We're going to see things happening in the house of God where God's not going to judge because he's angry only, but because it's gracious to give people a chance. God took Jacob out into the wilderness, left him there, sent the rest of the people away, wrestled with him. He could have broken his thigh earlier, he could have disjointed him and hobbled him for the rest of his life in the moment in the twinkle of an eye. But it was in that struggling, in that wrestling match that he met his maker and he humbled himself. The body of Christ is into a wrestling match. It's a time of humbling. It's a time of moving to a new identity. Jacob became Israel. We are becoming the bride of Christ. Oh, we say we are the bride. No, we're not the bride. The bride must come to the altar pure. The bride must be able to come to the altar. The bride must be able to come with not spot, not wrinkle. God is ironing out the wrinkles. He's washing out the spots through the blood of Christ. But it's through our repentance. We must become the br- the, bl- the bride of Christ for the coming of the groom. And today we have people who are saying the body of Christ is the bride of Christ. No. The body of Christ, if we were to look at it in its totality, is in a bad position. It's sick. It's sick. It's diseased. It needs healed. And the only way is for Those who know their way to lead the way, to prepare the way from the wilderness. Prepare you a way in the wilderness. Make straight a highway. Beloved, I want you to grasp this. It's like a call to zigzag of who you and I are now. There was a time that you had the, the, the foundations of God from Abraham through the patriarchs to the prophets. Everybody leading up to the moment of the coming of the Messiah and mostly not understanding it. Not even Isaiah who cried it out that there would be a virgin. He didn't really understand everything he was saying. He was just receiving the download of God. I'm sure as a witness in heaven, he was astounded and pleased and wondrous about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, as many were. So you had the law and the prophets, even as Jesus said, and even as we read in John 8. And then came John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness, well, beloved, that's you and me today. Those of us who are hearing the Word of God and understanding the time that we live in with the spirit of Isaac, that wisdom equipped with the right hand, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and in the left hand, the disciplines and tools we need to fend off the world, the left being that side, the right being the righteous, ambidextrous, if we will, in the wisdom and the power and the things of God, taking the authority, being called forth in that time with the, the spirit of Elijah. Beloved, don't be looking for Elijah to return. Don't be looking for Moses to return. Those are false teachings. Those teachings aren't bound in the word of God. Those are things that have been brought forward, even as the rapture theory was brought forward. I wonder now, when I first started preaching that the rapture theory as it was given is not scriptural, many got angry. Some of you right now are twitching because you'd rather believe in that than to stand and to be strong in the point of darkness and to withstand and to understand that the weeks of tribulation may not be as have been understood by some of those who taught it. From a little girl's dream in Scotland back in the 1830s, brought forward in the Schofield Bible in print, and set forth as the word of the Bible, which it isn't. I'm wondering now, and you know those numbers have changed. It used to be that the vast majority of evangelicals and Pentecostals, they believed in the rapture more than they even believed in the calling of Christ to evangelize. And those numbers have changed with the new generations. They're not so infatuated with it anymore. And even some who were embedded in that, the vast majority now say, well, maybe we had that wrong. Because if indeed it was supposed to preserve the people of God from persecution in the world, why didn't it happen already? Because we are here to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. We are here to be those who understand the firm foundation of the Word of God and are not going to fantasize and sensationalize things of God and not be so arrogant to say we understand it perfectly. I don't, and nobody else does. I'm sorry, nobody does. Christ Himself is waiting for the Lord to say, go. Only the Father knows the time. And we know the season. There was another brother teaching on the fig tree, the season that we live in, appropriate. Because that fig tree is blossoming and the dawn is coming up and creation's beginning to cry out. And yes, the world says scientifically we have global warning, but I tell you there's increasing light. And it's the glory of God pouring out to cook his church in the furnace of his word and his love and his passion. To become hot on fire in the furnace of God. And even though we're in the furnace of the world, nothing will touch us and we won't even smell like sulfur. We come out smelling the sweet perfume, the same perfume that washed the feet of Christ. That is washing us in that incense of God, the prayers of the saints pouring out from the vials in heaven. Can you see the picture? It's a wonderful time we live in. You are called. We are called. We are called to bear fruit. We are called to grasp the eternal vision. Beloved, we are not those who see what we see and hear what we see here, here on the earthly ways. We see differently. There's a word in Hebrew called chazuth, and it means to be able to see with spirit. And those who do are called kazaz. and and we see, we discern, we hear. That's real truth. The truth that comes out, even sometimes from our religious pulpits, is not truth. It's people fantasizing, creating what they want it to be instead of just stripping down the word to be the rare truth of God. Beloved, John the Baptist probably had a lot of wisdom. He could have given a lot of messages. He probably saw things that other people didn't see, heard things that other people didn't hear, but he had one message, he stayed focused. Repent, the Lord is coming. Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Beloved, that's my message. That should be your message. Now, we need measuring sticks. What do we do? What do we say? How do we do it? We're moving from a glory to a glory. It doesn't mean that we dismiss everything that we learned and received. We eat the meat and we spit out the bones. We build upon that foundation. Paul said, I don't build upon another's foundation, lest I try to strip that glory. But yet he moved and he moved to a glory. We're moving and transforming to another glory. Transforming isn't just the word change. It's not just a metamorphosis. It's a complete transforming. Nothing inside of us is to be the same. It's to empty out that which is in the old wine sack so the new glory can pour in. Now, the new glory may have elements and characteristics of that which was. For example, our salvation is the same. Our redemption is the same. The gifts of God are the same, but the intensity increases. The message must be the same. Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Do it with a message that fits your local church your family, yourself, your nation. But it's a kingdom message. He told us to pray, Father, bring forth thy kingdom here on earth, even as it is in heaven. The kingdom age is coming. We're transforming. We're a bridge of transformation, a path, if you will. Elijah's spirit, he took it from the law and the prophets to the church age in Jesus Christ. And now the church age, that time of dispensation, where the message has gone to the four corners of the earth. It's there, brother and sister. It's not waiting to go anymore. It's gone. The fullness of the Gentiles has the opportunity to come in. And so we see then that, in part, Israel is beginning to be saved. For those of my brothers and sisters, and I was just discussing this with my beloved brother Samuel Smajda just a couple days ago in person, as we met together in Orlando, just for a time to seek God together and see what was going on. There's a new vitality, a new vibrance happening in the Messianic churches in Israel. And they're trying to learn how to come together because just like here, they haven't come together. But there's a new intensity. And there are Gentiles that are reaching on to the skirt of the Jew, as Zechariah said, and 10 would hold on to the skirt and say, We go because you know your God. People are wanting to be led to know their God. Beloved, nobody can take you where they haven't been, where they can't go or they don't want to go. That's not a leader. There are many prophets that do rear-view mirror prophecy. They tell you what you already know. Beloved, words of knowledge are wonderful, but how many times do we need people to stand up in church and say, the Lord loves you? I know the Lord loves me. We need real word. We need real prophecy. We need stuff that is fine-tuned to what is fresh and coming from God that helps there to be a light in the darkness. We don't need false prophets to feed things to a president of the United States who makes a fool of himself because they're looking with an ambition. And instead of listening to God, we need accountability for prophetic word that's true and prophetic word that's untrue. We need to pray for those who step out to leadership that can't lead and are leading into their own agendas. And we need to be very carefully what we join ourselves to. We need to be very careful what we receive and what we put our time in because the time is short. Jesus Christ is coming. He said he'll redeem the time, but he uses you and me to redeem the time. He doesn't just take you at age 70 and make you age 10. He takes you at age 70 and he says, now I will restore unto you the things that the worm store. And if you put your shoulder to the plow, you will perform more and harvest more in one month with me than you might have done in 70 years on your own. This is redeeming the times. It's supernatural. It's an eternal vision. And we must continue his work until we're finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns, the word of Apostle Paul in Philippians. These words I got very early this morning as I was praying for a specific word. My beloved brother, We Ting, he said to me, brother, I want you to release a prophetic word. And I said, okay, it's a demand put on me. But I also need to tell you, I'm not a vending machine prophet. I have people call me, do you have a prophetic word for me? I say, "Eh, I don't know if I do or not, I'll let you know. I'm not the kind of a person who just you stick a nickel in and all of a sudden you get the prophecy out. I call it vending machine prophecies. Can I see things? I see many things. Can I understand people's past? I see many pasts. Can I understand people's sicknesses? I see them. But my passion, my call, my discipline is for the kingdom of God and for you, for the kingdom of God. My zeal is that we walk together in that hot and freshness. So here's what I asked, and here's what I ask you. Here's what the Spirit of the Lord gave me this morning, prophetically, as I prepared to come online, both to you, to our worshipers, watchmen, to our warriors that are around the world. If they put up on the screen with POTUS Shield, I want you to take this moment, and I'll offer it to you again, to, to become part of that outreach. You'll never be asked for money. Your list will never go to anybody else. You will receive things that come When God says to come, you may not get them every day. There are people put out things every day. God bless them. That's a good thing. That's daily bread. That's their ministry. I only release when God tells me to release. And weekly, when he allows, I do teachings, and I send out a contact blast. I'd like you to get those if you'd like to get them. If you ever want to stop them, it's easy. You hit stop. If you don't like it, you stop. If you eat it, that's fine. And I want to be able to reach you. So I'm asking you to be able to reach this email that's Put on the screen. And you can e- email to Touch Heaven. Go on to, go on to the Touch Heaven website and get the contact blast www.touchheaven.com. This isn't an advertisement, this is a connectivity. This is an opportunity. And those who are with us in Touch Heaven and those who are with us on Potashield and our greater family and all of the nations that we're going into, which include Pakistan, Asia, Singapore, Malaysia, Australia. Portugal, places of uh, Central America, and the four corners of this earth and in Europe, this is our opportunity to stay connected, to appeal to the things of God, and to stay passionate as a body of Christ that grows with zeal. So these are the questions that he asked and that I began to answer. And those questions are, who are we? Where are we? What are we to do? Beloved, we are crossing over now, as I said to you. We are the bridge, the Elijah spirit, transforming from the fulfillment of the church age into the coming of the the kingdom age. Now remember that Moses was out in the wilderness while God was preparing the work in Egypt. It was a 40-year stead. The 40 years is about over for us. John the Baptist was in the wilderness. We don't know how long, but it wasn't a long time. There was a crossover where John and Jesus were on the earth together, where John was preaching a message and Jesus picked up the message and began to complete it, where John had to baptize Jesus to fulfill the law and Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. So the things that are crossing over from the age of the fulfillment of the church are not going to be destroyed. They're being fulfilled. They're being enhanced. And there's a crossover now into the kingdom, and it's you and I. We're the bridge. God is using through his spirit, you and I, To be that transformation bridge into that kingdom age. Lord, bring your kingdom here on earth, even as it is in heaven. That's our cry. Who are we? We're the new creation. We're the new, new creation. The old things are passing away. All things are being made new. We're the creation crying out from the wilderness for the coming of the Lord and crying out, Hoshina, come, Lord Jesus. Where are we? We're here on earth at a special time. From the beginning of time and beforehand, God created you for just this moment and he's equipped you, but you must tap into it. It's as if you're going to buy a car, but if you don't get the options on the car, you can't use them. If you don't put tires on it, it won't move. It's just a shell. We are more than a shell. We need to be equipped. Even as the people came to Ziklag, armed to do with the left and the right, we must be equipped and to know what to do with it. What are we to do? We're to be obedient to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord not to fulfill our own lusts and desires, not to go where we think we're going to go, not for us to determine geography. Thank God Abraham didn't determine geography. Thank God Moses didn't. He would have taken the wrong route and been destroyed. God took him through the harder path. Thank God that John the Baptist didn't determine geography and say, I'm going to go to Jerusalem to the Pool of Siloam, where it's nice and easy and I can get dry clothes every night and eat some nice food, and have some lamb lollipops, and uh, 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 drink wine. No, he stood in the wilderness. We're not to determine geography. God determines the geography in this world in this day. We are crossing over now from the times of that church age into the kingdom age. We're the crossover that brings in Jesus Christ. We're moving from an age of bodybuilding, of the numbers of the body of Christ, into the bodybuilding of the spirit of the body of Christ. Think about it. It's not numbers. It's not outreach. It's not just hitting the four corners. Yes, we must continue to preach till the day that the Lord tarries or we go home, that Christ, the, the salvation of Jesus Christ, the redemption of Jesus Christ. But you notice there's a special message now for us. And as the new people are getting saved, it seems like they just advance so fast. And so hard sometimes to get the crust off of old people in Christ. We've begun to gather ourselves to begin to walk, and it's the dawn of the kingdom age here on earth. And out of the twilight of the old and the present now is the new. We're walking on a highway. We're making it straight. We're collaborating together with the Godhead to destruct, construct, and to become a bridge of transformation. Our mission, let it be clear, Your assignment is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Who are we? We are those new creation watchmen. We are those new creation worshipers. We are those new creation warriors. And we're spiritually wired from the beginning of time to manifest on the earth now to be instruments here on the earth of the kingdom of God of the mission to return the Messiah. If you didn't get that, rerun this and listen to it again. Beloved, our worldly environment is darkness. Now, many are looking for the great redemption of the United States. It may happen, it may not happen. Personally, I believe we're on the the precipice of overcoming the greatest curse on earth, the killing of the unborn, brought into this nation, prophesied, brought forth by changes. It hasn't here yet, but it might come. But even then, it'll just become statewide, but maybe it'll have an effect throughout the world. We're just on the precipice, but that's not going to deliver a nation back to God. We must deliver a people unto Jesus Christ. The work is groping. Gross darkness is groping around the earth. And we're seeing people succumbing to this invasion. It's invasive socially. It's consuming socially, economically, geographically. And there are spiritual operatives of darkness. Evil is real. Missions of demonic and principalities of power are real. They have an assignment to counter that which is pouring out in the glory of God intensifying. They don't understand it any better than a lot of the church does, but they know what the church says. But they see the movement of God. They see the positioning of God. They see the prophecies of God coming true. But you, we, me, we are those who can transform into new creation images of God, creatures of light increasing in this cocoon of glory. And together we become islands. That's what I saw, the little pins of glory coming together and becoming floating islands, not constrained by land masses, but being able to float about the earth in the glory of God and the glory of his light. And then we become masses of glory. And that's becoming the body of Christ, the bride of Christ being prepared to meet the Lord, remembering that he will then be able to say, the goats go, the sheep come in. There will be a division, and it's begun now. You are a significant outpost and lighthouse, birthed and anointed with this purpose throughout the earth. Beloved Singapore, Asia, Malaysia, Israel, you're the hot spots. The Lord showed me 12 hotspots in the United States. I did a map of them back about 10, 11 years ago. I brought it back out, and my, oh, my, you can begin to see it coming forth. There are 12 hotspots, and there's hotspots throughout the earth, but there's a tremendous power of glory and prophetic power pouring out, and it's going to intensify in Asia and in Eurasia, parts of Eurasia, not all of Eurasia, through Australia, parts of Australia, not all of Australia but all of Israel. Israel on fire, so that it'll be almost impossible for Israelites to say this isn't God, and it's beginning to come. And that's why we see that as a measuring stick. That's why we saw in May of 1948, when God called forth that nation, the whole world went to war against it. One day proclaiming it as that nation of Israel, the next day calling it to die. And that war will continue until the coming of Christ. Jerusalem will be a battle for, because that is where Christ is coming to. He's coming back to Jerusalem. He's coming back to Jerusalem in Israel. And then we will see it pour out across the earth. Glory, global warming. How about glory warming? I'm not concerned about global warming. I'm not going to get into that. And I'll do what I do. You do what you do. God will do what he was due. What I am looking forward to and excited about and fanning the flames of is glory, warming. The physical earth responds. All creation symbiotically is sensitive to the creator. And we see now the earth in a little bit of shock as the darkness is coming across it. The trees of the field are ready to clap their hands. God's day is coming to deliver his people again from bondages. We are the deliverers. There's a word in Hebrew called Gael. Gael means the deliverer. Moses was the deliverer. The kinsman redemption spoken of in the law of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They're called Gael's. You and I are kinsmen with the beloved and brothers and sisters in Christ, some lost. We are to bring them forth through the power of deliverance. That vision God gave me some years back of people lost on the road. I stumbled over them. They were naked looking up. They were trembling. They were looking for help. These were people of God lost on the highway. Many people of God are lost on the highway. Many people are unchurched, unfellowship. Many people are falling and drinking out of many wells right now, trying to find their way to God and drinking out of too many wells. There's confusion, lack of conviction, loss of vision, loss of mission. We need to be determined. The gross world is pouring out. It's a dilution of identity. It's a dilution of calling. We are called to do things as Christians. One is to call unto God and He will call unto us. Call unto Him and hear the call. One is to pray. We must pray. One is to tithe. Do you know how many Christians don't tithe anything at all? Some preach against it. The Lord says, bring the first fruits into my storehouse and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. Test me in this, Malachi 3. One of the only things He says to test, but so many don't do it. Instead, they believe in the things that they do are tithing, but they're not tithing. Just giving our service to God isn't a tithe. We're required to do that. That's one of the five things we're supposed to do. Another one is worship. Serve, pray, call, move into the things of God, tithe. These subcultures are trying to strip us of our identity. These subcultures are getting in the way of the family unit. Fathers aren't as important anymore which means the Father God isn't as important anymore. The relationship of man and woman disfigured. And those who stand against it, were are called intolerant. We're isolated. We're called as those that don't belong to be in the system of the world. Well, we're not in the system of the world, but we must continue to cry out. And the more we cry, the price is going to be greater. Persecution comes with the truth of God. There's no other way. So we must understand that's what we're called to be, persecuted but we're also called to stand strong, and no one can touch you until the Lord says it's your time. Israel, he's coming back. Jesus is coming. Yeshua is returning. His landing zone is Israel, specific to Jerusalem, and there's a parallel path of the church in Israel. How many of you know that God said to Israel, who gave you your writ of divorcement? I didn't divorce you from myself. You're still my beloved, and yet we know the body of Christ is becoming the bride of Christ, there's two paths to become one bride unto God: the fulfillment of Israel, the promise of the true spiritual Israel unto God, and the fulfillment of the body of Christ. And I can see when God first showed me that revelation back in 1980, it was probably this far apart. It's been coming closer and closer. And Romans 11:25 is coming forward, where the fullness of the Gentiles is coming in, so that Israel shall be saved. And that fulfillment is coming, and then comes the return of Jesus Christ for a, a bride a bride of Jews and Gentiles, men and women without spot and wrinkle. Beloved, the last days aren't those that Paul spoke about as the last days when he said we're in those last days. He saw the dawning of the last days. He saw the dawning of the end of the church age, but he had no idea how long it would take. He said he would prefer to go, but he would stay. To be honest with you, most of us, we prefer to go, but we need to stay. Some of you will be shocked at my two prayers, that I say every day to the Lord on top of all the other things I do. One of them is, Lord, if there is such a thing as a taking away of the people of God before the salvation of my people comes forth, then Lord, leave me. Leave me, Father, not because I'm embedded in sin, because I make a covenant to you that I'll stand if I'm the last one in the boat. Leave me. Allow me to have the power to preach in the darkness, not to look for an escape from the darkness, but to have the power to be a light. To a lost world, to a people that are gonna be looking for a way, if there be such a thing as that. And my other one is Lord, humbly, whatever you call me to do, please give me the perseverance, give me the heart, give me the resources to do what I'm supposed to do. But I ask you one thing keep me strong. Even though my body may get weaker, keep it strong. Even though some say my mind will get feebler, keep it strong. Even though time is against me and some say I'm in the last quarter. Lord, you keep me strong, and when it's done, then gone. Nothing in between. Strong and gone. And by the way, that's in Isaiah. He prayed, strong and then gone for the people of God. That's my prayer. I pray that's your prayer. I don't know if your day is tomorrow. I don't know if it's next year. I don't know if the Lord's going to tarry one or two years. I can tell you he's not coming tomorrow. Many people are afraid to say that. There's too many things left to happen yet. But things are moving fast. Don't expect geopolitics to solve the world. It'll get worse. Don't accept where you're in your nation, in your country, to begin to embrace you more. They won't. The systems of the world work against the kingdom of God. We are the kingdom of God, and God is moving upon us with a new grace. It is time for us to become something special. Our emphasis now, not by power, not even the power of religion, not even the power of ministry, not by might, not by the might of anything else, anything else, but only by his spirit. This transformation is appointed for the season now. It has begun. And over the next two years, my brother, we, we're going to see the intensifying of the light and the intensifying of the darkness. We're in the place of next, and from that place of next, we will come and go. The resources are there. The place of next is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. The present now will continue to transform to a greater and a greater and a greater glory. Many people need to jump from the old glory into the new glory. Many sheep need to be saved and moved from goats into their qualifies as sheep. We need to see a transformation. He is moving us from the old glory to a new glory. It's a transformation. It's a complete change of everything we are into everything we shall be. It shall not stop. That's my word from the Lord. I believe you'll give me more next week and the following months to come. If you're interested, tune in. My prayer is I can come to you. My prayer is that the Lord will make a way for me to come to you. I want you to understand something. I'm not bragging this. I'm encouraging those of you. Now, some of you, you, you know, you're pastors. You're full-time. I'm full-time. Some of you work, and you're also pastors, or leaders. Some of you are in the business world. Some of you have to rely upon your own resources to make things happen. Some of you are waiting for resources to make things happen. I believe this word from Jesus Christ, who said it in the midst of the world. He said it at a time when the Roman government was subjugating the Israeli people, when they were looking for somebody to deliver them from the government instead of deliver them spiritually. He said it in a time to a religious segment that couldn't hear and didn't want to hear, to Pharisees and Sadducees, to hypocrites, religious hypocrites, to the business of the ministry that didn't respond. He said it on the highways and the byways, covered with powers of miracles. Beloved, miracle powers are going to break out like never before, but people will be confused with some, and the miracles alone are only to point the way to Jesus Christ. You operate in miracles, I operate in miracles. I see them every day. I pray for people every day. I receive them every day. We should do. That's, that is the way of the kingdom. That is our norm. That isn't supernatural as something that we should expect only once in a while. We walk in that. We walk in that. But so does the evil world. It walks in the supernatural. We've become part of that time. And beloved, I want to say something to you. God provides the resources. One of my foundational Preachings, teachings, word that I stand on a seek, and I like the King James, ye, you first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He was made sin so that we would know sin, and he never knew sin so that we might be made the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's who we stand in, made in the righteousness of Christ. And because of that, if we practice righteousness, repent of sin, then we walk in the fullness of the authority and the power and the dominion that God has given us. We are end-time warriors, gladiators for Christ, empowered with destiny and vision and mission and all that we need, if only we shall. So this I say to you, seek first the kingdom of God. I make that my priority. Sometimes I have to work hard to do it. Some of you may be surprised. I make no money at all from ministry. I'm not a paid church. I'm not a a pastor who's paid, nor is my wife. I don't sell books. I'm going to have to make some soon. The Lord's mad at me. I don't want to do them to make money. I don't go on television and ask for money. I don't beg anybody for money. I work. I work. I work every day. And then I put aside my time for the kingdom. So I don't have much compassion for people that say they don't have the resources. I'm sorry. Because if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to give you everything you need. You must put our priorities in line. It's not easy. I work at it. You must work at it. We must encourage each other. We must challenge each other. And we must tithe that way. Beloved, start considering your tithe. And I'm not asking you to do that on a personal basis. God provides for me. (laughs) I I don't rely on anybody but Him. And, and, And the good hands that God has given me and the mind that God has given me and the opportunities and the friends and the relationships that God has given me to serve and to work. But begin to be selfish about your time. You know, a lot of people want to bless Israel, and they send things to agencies in Israel that basically aren't glorifying Christ. Now, you know who they are. One of the is the largest one. There's a very big ministry in this country that, that, that promotes them because they promote his ministry. But they don't glorify Christ. In fact, what they do is they say this isn't, they call it Christians' friends and Jews, But when it comes down to Christ and your tithe is being there to bless people, it's not to glorify Christ. It's to glorify their mission. It's time to be discerning about who we tithe to, what ministries we tithe to, what we do, why, what is the mission. We need to become focused. Those are our resources. Those are kingdom resources. And so for me in my house, we're very, very peculiar about what we do. We tithe to a little publishing company in Israel that sends the word out to all the Jews for free, that gives them books and Bibles and continues to do it. The printing press is older, older than dirt. I was there. The guy keeps it going. And it's an old printing press. It's not very efficient, but he continues to do it because his father did it before him in the land of Israel before 1948. There are things that we can do to help and bless God's people and to glorify Christ. We must glorify Christ and the mission of Christ with what we do. Support your local church, but make sure your local church is supporting the mission of God. Support those ministries that do the missions of God, but not just don't support them because they say they want to get the word out to the world. The word is out to the world. There's many mechanisms. God doesn't need 500 ministries getting a different word out to the world. God needs the word out to the world. Support those people who are in the trenches, who are out there feeding the sick and helping the poor, Beloved, this is the clarion call of Jesus Christ. This is his call to us. Let's become focused and break out of the business of the ministry. Let's become the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. I pray upon you right now that this anointing, this word, will penetrate to your bones, that it will enlighten you, that this word, this clarion call is the, the lighting of a flame inside of you that will burn with passion and with me, that we embark on this time of transformation, expecting the Lord to do mighty things over these next two years as he has said it, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Let us, Father, pray to put the kingdom first. Father, there are many people out there that need a touch in their body. Lord, you do it by spirit to confirm yourself and for your glory. There are many people, Lord, who are struggling with their finances. Bless them, Father. Give them the means, the resources, the wisdom. Father, for those in leadership who have a pulpit and to call, Father, keep us on fire. Let us speak the truth, even when the truth is not popular. And Father, let prophecy be true. Don't let it be untrue. Don't let it become a business, a bail business of prophecy, where it's sold, where it's traded, where it's published, to be able to grow viewership. Let it be true. You take it. You send it out. Bless this global watch. Bless my brother, Wee Teng Hao, and the place that he stands in it. Bless my beloved brother and sister, SK. Thank you, Lord, for being a connection, the first connection of me with Asia and with Pakistan. Bless our sister church and view in Pakistan, eternal life and Nita and Anwar and Isaac TV. Bless Touch Heaven India and Touch Heaven Africa and all our brothers and sisters in Central America. Bless Australia and those we connect with there. Bless the four corners of this nation and the four corners of this earth. Jesus, Hoshaina, come Lord Jesus. Come for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Come Lord. And until you do, empower us. Strengthen us. Let our passion be to prepare the way. Show us the measuring sticks. Let us do it. Keep us firmly in your grasp. Let us know truth and to preach truth. Be glorified, God our Father, Jesus our Lord, Holy Spirit our Comforter. In your name we pray. Amen.